welcome back to Live and Learn. And we've got a really exciting guest today. Welcome, Natalie Freeman. Thank you. You are the Senior Coach and Performance Manager at Red Kite Housing. That's right. You're also a really important VIP Video Ask client because you've been with us for two companies uh-huh, and with indeed. us for seven or eight years now, I think, as well. Yeah. So I was really excited to get you on, on, the, uh, on the show. Thank you very much. Thank <laughs> you for having me. Excited to be here. And I think today the first episode we want to talk about was the art of feedback which I think when we look at all of our usage stats on our courses, we've got a very large library for those that aren't aware. That always tends to be in the top two or three or often the top of our usage. Maybe because people are scared of having different conversations. I don't know what, what your experience is, but feedback seems to be such an important thing to get right. And maybe not everybody does get it right. I don't know if you, you know, that's your experience as well. Um, it's something you've come across. Uh, you've been a face-to-face trainer. You've done a lot of digital learning as well, right through the full uh, talent cycle as well haven't you yeah absolutely and i think you're spot on for some people the art of feedback is something that's incredibly comfortable it's something that's second nature for them it's something that they're able to just do without thinking about too much equally for others it's something they have to work really really hard at it's something that doesn't come particularly naturally to a lot of people um particularly if like you say if you're talking about a more um challenging conversation a more difficult conversation you know, really kind of stepping back from that and thinking about what's made it challenging or difficult yeah. in the first place. Yeah. How have you got to a point where you feel that that's the type of conversation that you need to be having? You know, what got you there in the first place? What yes, preventative absolutely. measures might you have been able to kind of put in place to stop you from needing to have what feels like that difficult conversation? Yeah, and I guess what would your advice be to someone who's starting out in the housing industry? Because you've been in that industry quite a long time. Mm-hmm. I've seen your dreams before then. Or not only using video arts there, but also just generally, what would your advice be someone that's starting out in that sector? What have you found L&D in that sector versus maybe others you've worked in? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's definitely different in housing. Um, be prepared to work that little bit harder. Be prepared to climb that mountain. Be prepared to face the constant challenges of the evolution in terms of housing. Nothing is static. Nothing is standing still. You've absolutely got to go with the flow. You're very much learning on the job in a lot of cases, trying to keep up with the latest trends, trying to keep up with what's most effective and efficient for your staff, whilst really trying to limit that time off of the job because time is precious. And what you tend to find in housing organisations as well is that a lot run quite lean. So actually every every day that is off the job, all those extra minutes that are off the job, you've really kind of got to be able to justify and make sure you're making the best use of the time in that sense so from an L&D perspective from an OD perspective you really want to be crystal clear that there are business benefits that there are benefits to the individual those kind of collective overarching benefits for everybody so that you're making the best use of that time while still maintaining um, the service provision that you're offering to your tenants at the end of the day. And I guess I mean we were chatting about this off air before we we, we come on here about you know we we were I think it's cringe to watch this back. We, we don't like seeing ourselves on camera, the sound of our own voices. So there is something in built on us, isn't it, about feedback, um, where it's different when it's yourself sometimes, whether you get a bit defensive or you're a bit scared to hear negative feedback. It is widened to us and it, it can be hard to hear sometimes. And it, like anything, maybe it takes practice. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's, that's very much the art in itself, isn't it? Practice, practice, practice. It's not always going to be comfortable. Yeah. It's not always going to be something that you will enjoy doing, but the more yeah. we do the better we get um listening to kind of 
yourself back, whether that's on yeah. a pre-record, whether that's, you know, even back in the day, you mentioned dreams earlier when I first started there, I was in the call center. Part of the training program there was that you would listen to your calls back. You'd yeah. hear the recording, you know, you kind of sit there thinking, well, I don't really sound like that, <laughs> do I? Like that real kind of cringe moment of, oh no, I said that. Or you think it's right in the yeah, moment, yeah, but you know, you're kind of doing the best for your customer at that point in time. But you learn, you grow, you reflect, you think about how you might do things differently next time. And the same applies now in terms of feedback conversations, how frequently you might be having those conversations, where might be the best place to have yeah. those conversations. And actually what you learn over time is it's not just about you in that scenario. It's not just about what you want to get from that conversation. It's about what the other person needs to get from that conversation too. And what I mean by that is not just the actual messaging of the dialogue, but whether somebody's in the right place to receive some of that feedback. You know, actually you might be psyching yourself up for a conversation, yeah. particularly if you think it's gonna be a challenging one. You know, you wanna get yourself in the best possible place to be able to have that. But how much do you really stop and think about the other person in that scenario? What do you know about them? what can you kind of use to your advantage in terms of how you can say what you need to say and express what you want to express in a way that it's actually going to be meaningful for them as an individual yeah and i guess we'll probably just dive straight into the different conversations mm -hmm. i mean obviously we will cover positive ones as well and obviously yeah. performance appraisals now becoming more maybe frequent and not just waiting or stocking things yeah. up till the end of december or whatever um but I know that will be the top of people's agendas, is that difficult conversation. Some companies have rebranded it, Courageous Conversations, whether you agree with that or not, I brand it. What's been your experience, and maybe where you've had to have a different conversation or you've you've done a training program on training people to do it, we'll maybe cover how not to get there next as well, but just the actual conversation itself, getting that right, if it is a different conversation, what's your kind of two or three key tips on doing that the best you possibly can? Because no one, I don't think, looks forward to or wants to do it if they're being honest yeah i'd agree with you on that <laughs> front i don't think anybody does either um i think being really well prepared you know really taking some time to think about what you want to say yeah. and how you might be going to say that you know what what is your objective for the conversation what do you need the key takeaways to be what is it that either you or the other person is going to have to go away and implement as a yeah. result of that you know so being really really clear in terms of what that outcome or outcomes look and feel like um, really kind of taking the opportunity to reflect, even if you're not a natural reflector. But again, what's what's brought you to the point of wanting or needing to have that conversation? Um, you know, so being very explicit in terms of how the build-up has happened, being very explicit in terms of this is what we're talking about, this is how we're talking about it, thinking about the environment in which you're having that conversation as well. You know, what's comfortable you might not be comfortable for somebody else you know is it something depending on the nature of it or the severity of it even is it something that is okay to do over teams or on zoom is it something that actually you really need to be doing face to face think about the triggers for what that might be um you know how is that going to be best received how is that going to be most appropriate for you to deliver that and i guess that would differ you know in terms of the other individual in the scenario as well but also just thinking about you know, is this a colleague to colleague difficult yeah. conversation? Is this a line manager to direct report conversation? Actually, is this you feeding up to your manager? 
yeah. you know that kind of managing upwards piece and having those difficult conversations because people need to be confident and those courageous yeah, conversations that yeah, you yeah. mentioned you know sometimes we have to do it that way as well so all of those you know combined factors lead us to what ultimately should be a successful conversation now when I say successful, there's no guarantee that you're going to achieve everything no. you wanted to achieve because it's a two-way conversation. Or you're going to enjoy it. And they're, they're two different things Absolutely, as well. Absolutely, very much so. And I think that's the other thing to be realistic with in terms of managing your own expectations as to what you might get out of that. You might have an ideal outcome that you're looking to achieve, but actually as part of the conversation, you might have to compromise. That might be part of the deal in terms of you both being able to move forwards from it. So really like i said earlier very much focusing on the fact that it's a it's a two-way conversation you've really got to perfect the art of listening as part of that as well it's not just about you giving the feedback to somebody it's about that person having the opportunity to give the feedback to you too and that's something I mean, I'm, I'm probably being guilty of not you i think you've heard so much at your side of that conversation mm -hmm. what how are you going to say it? you, you want to be empathetic you're going to say this but it's impossible sometimes to think oh they're going to come back to me it's, it's not just a one-way street yeah yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that a lot of people just don't necessarily think about as much as they could yeah. or should do. Yeah. You know, it might cross your mind or you might think you can kind of preempt how a conversation is going to go, particularly if it's somebody that you do have more frequent interactions with. But actually, sometimes they will surprise you. Sometimes it's not going to go the way that you might think it will do. And actually, with all of that kind of planning and preparation being in place, that's great but you are still going to have to think on your feet sometimes too. And again, it's about having the confidence to be able to do that in the moment. And what would be some of the common pitfalls you've seen in your in your career? Um, I'm thinking top of my head, some will be maybe people trying to chuck it in a positive conversation and hide the negative one because they don't want to dwell on it and chucking it um, in between things or having the conversation when maybe the manager's not ready or in a good place. There may be two mistakes I've seen. Is any you've got to add to that or would you agree with those? Yeah, I do agree with those. And I think, you know, particularly now with the prominence of kind of mental health and well-being, yeah. I think that's that's a biggie for me in terms of somebody being best placed to receive whatever that feedback might be. Because have you really stopped to think about what other factors might be at play for that individual? You know, what if you get to know your people really well, you'll know what normal looks like for them. And actually, I use the term normal loosely, but, yeah. you know, what normal behavior looks like for them? What does an average day look and feel yeah. like for them? What do you what do you come to expect of them just by what you normally see as part of their approach, their behavior, their performance, all that type of thing? So actually, when you then recognize something that's a little bit out of the ordinary for them. You know, what might you need to do differently? How might you need to adjust in that sense? And if you're not quite prepared for some of that, it actually can be quite damaging feedback as well. So it's really kind of key to make sure that they're in the best possible place and you're in the best possible place as well. Because again, you could plan, you could have something booked in, you could have got the ideal scenario, the ideal location, all that kind of stuff. But actually something could happen that's triggering for you and you're suddenly not in the right headspace to be able to have that conversation as well as you otherwise would do. So it's about being realistic and being able to recognize that and adjust and, you know, whether that's rebook or whatever that might be, you know, being mindful of that too. And what would you say, I mean, something that I've come across clients kind of say to us in the past is we need to have a different conversation or whatever we label it. Um, they're worried the performance is over here, so mm -hmm. we need these things. 
I also want to be empathetic or seen to be supportive, but this message needs to come across. I don't, you know, I, I don't want to impact their mental health and they get themselves trapped between these two things. How can you get this out of it that's kind of firm but fair and respectful and, you know, getting that balance right? Yeah, it is a difficult one and I'm going to come back to the same point and I guess this kind of ties into what will no doubt later be a key takeaway as well getting to know your people yeah. i can't stress yeah. that enough yeah. and that's something that was a piece of advice given to me by a trainer that i worked with years ago that's yeah. something that's really really stuck with me you know as a as a manager as a leader you really got to invest your time well in terms of getting to know them what what motivates them why do they engage with certain things the way in which they do what are all the reasons for that so we're very much kind of focusing on them that is going to help you find their sweet spot help you find the balance you are firm but fair, always, I would say. And actually, if you're if you're struggling to be firm but fair, then actually there's a growth opportunity for you as part of that experience yep. as well, I would say. But be really clear with your boundaries. And I think that's, that's something else I would say in terms of that getting to know your staff. Don't mistake that in terms of the common friendship term. Yep. You know, you've, you've got your boundaries. You've got yes. kind yeah, of clear roles yeah, within yeah. that, very much so. So there's no kind of mistaking what that looks and feels like. But I think, you know, be realistic with them. Let them know what those boundaries look and feel like. And better yet, empower them to help you set some of those boundaries too. Because actually, if they've been part of that process, they're really clear in terms of what the expectations are just in the way that you are. And I guess the the, the final thing I want to cover as well on different conversations is, I think your Red Kites a bit like video arts. We've got hybrid working patterns. Yeah one or two days a week in the office, you know, the rest um, at home. That's for a lot of companies has come after the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, if you've got conversations that need to take place, but there's a pressure on employers these days to make the office a fun environment. People need cajoling to come in. So you don't want to save them up. So when they come in the office, it's, oh, I'm getting negative feedback all the time I come in. And there's pressure to have a vibe in the office and maybe want to come back. But that doesn't mean there's free way, way not to have the conversation. Mm -hmm. But also, you don't want to make it always a case of, oh, I'm going to have ne negative conversations when I'm in the office. How do you get that balance? Is that a factor? Or do people overthink that? I do think it's a factor. I also think you're right. I do think people can overthink yeah. it as well. It's something that we've had to work really hard at in terms of what that hybrid working looks and feels like for us. Um, it was something that was quite alien to us initially. So, you know, for, for a customer first organization and uh, very much an office first organization pre-pandemic to completely change the way in which we were operating, to change the way in which we were interacting with one another, to get used to that over such a significant period of time and to then bring that back into the office as we are now, whilst like you rightly say, depending on the nature of the roles within the organization, there's a mix in terms of what the expectations are as to how frequently you'll feature. And I think, you know, you do, you run the risk in terms of rebuilding your culture or moving your culture forwards. You run the risk of um, limiting the interactions that people can have with each other and what those feedback opportunities might look like with one another. Because how do you, how do you create those very organic water cooler moments with people that you don't naturally see as part yes. of that routine yeah, you know and i think we got into the habit of having to go out of our way to to have some of those conversations yeah, previously and now we're kind of 
trying to work our way through and figure out, well, how do we make some of that happen when some people are back in that position and are just bumping into each other in the office and, you know, oh, actually, can I just have five minutes with you because I've seen you and it's prompted me to think about a conversation that I need to have with you versus actually somebody else who is in less frequently, who you maybe don't have quite so much to do with your paths, don't naturally cross in the same way. But you've got to go out of your way still to have that conversation and make it a reality. So I think there's there's lots of different factors at play with all of that. And it, it is a challenge. It's not an easy one. So it's something we're still working through as an organisation. I'm sure lots of others are finding the same thing too. And let's move the dial into the, the positive realm. Um, <laughs> positive conversations, yeah. not, not always negative. Um, we had a, a, an episode with Dr. Hazel Harrison, who is the SME behind our mental health series, where she talked about, I think it's nine to one is the ratio of people remembering positive versus negative feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, people tend to cling to negative things. How important is the role with all the context we've talked about negative conversations and hybrid working, that positive feedback is done really well and the frequency of that, and that is an art in itself. It really is. And I think that's such a huge part of the challenge in terms of how do you make positive feedback meaningful? Yeah. Uh, because you know, we're all human, we all need positive feedback, whether we want to admit that or not. It's more or less comfortable for some people. For me personally, I've always struggled with positive feedback and that's not just a workplace thing, that's a life thing for me. To receive or give positive. To receive positive feedback is just one of those things that I just, I don't know what it does to me, but it just (laughs) makes me really uncomfortable. And even if somebody pays me like the tiniest compliment of, oh, nice dress today or whatever, I feel the need to justify it. Like, well, here's where I bought it and here's what (laughs) I did with it and here's why I did that. Well, they said thank you. It's just so awkward. And for years I've been trying to learn the art of just saying thank you and sometimes I do it and I do it quite successfully and other times yeah you just get all the waffle that comes out alongside it so it's not always comfortable on that front either you know we talk so much about people being uncomfortable with difficult conversations or challenging conversations but actually that praise element can be quite difficult too and I think again for us as an organization we talk a lot about wanting to celebrate the successes within the organization how do you get that balance in terms of what's just enough what's what's authentic as well exactly that what feels authentic so that you know how do you differentiate between somebody that has done a great job but has done what you would expect of them has fulfilled their duties 100 percent yeah absolutely so how do you differentiate between that versus somebody who for whatever reason you feel has genuinely gone the extra mile has put themselves out has done something extraordinary how do you how do you justify that how do you tell the difference and how do you like i say kind of maintain the value of feedback as part of that process because something i'm always conscious of as a manager i'm always really keen to make sure that i'm saying thank you to my team and actually for me that's something that i try to be as authentic as possible with because it's it's genuine you know i'm really thanking you and i care about what you've done i'm grateful for your contributions but equally i do challenge myself back in that sense and think well if i say thank you every week does it does it matter you know what then happens if one week for some reason and i like to think it wouldn't happen very often but what happened if i forgot what happens if it was a a bad job this week yeah yeah. you know absolutely so how do you again thinking about the other person or the other people as part of those conversations what's the impact of your action of having done something regularly and then one week you just don't happen to do it and taking a step back so we we've kind of got the good and the bad Mm -hmm. and obviously there's lots of conversations in the whole 
spectrum in, in between as well. We touched on at the start about the, the process of getting there, mm-hmm. and that's maybe as important as the art of feedback itself. What would be a few of your tips in terms of to make sure those that feedback, when it's positive, is received well, maybe the process has been followed, um, or negative to avoid getting there? Yeah, yeah. So really, like I said earlier, getting to know your people, and I'm going to keep saying getting to know your people, even if you try and edit it out, <laughs> <laughs> which you will, I'm sure. Um, but getting to know your people, really understanding the motivational perspective, really understanding what's meaningful for them, what they're going to engage with. So planning, preparing, thinking about all the factors we've talked about in terms of what's the best possible place to be having this conversation. You know, actually, if you're lucky enough to be enjoying the summer months, you could be going for a walk. You know, you, you don't have to have a, a formal conversation necessarily. And actually, sometimes, particularly with both positive and negative, depending on how you think the individual might be going to receive that, just taking yourself away from the natural workspace can work wonders in terms of how somebody is going to receive that feedback. And equally, it opens up the dialogue more broadly in terms of what else they might then contribute to that conversation. And I think that's something else, like we were saying earlier, you don't know what that other person is going to bring back to the table. And actually, if you take them out of the average environment, the normal environment for them, you might just get that little nugget that you otherwise wouldn't have got. And we always end our kind of episodes with the title of the show, which is Live and Learn. Mm-hmm. Um, what anecdote would you share with our people watching this that you've learned? It could be uh, a conversation you tried, a mistake that went wrong, or a bad example of it, or a funny story, or something you wish you knew 10 years ago when you were you know, further back in your L&D journey on, on the art of feedback. Mm-hmm. So I think probably a couple of things, to be honest. Um, one is being open to receiving feedback, not getting defensive about what Mm -hmm. that might look or feel like if somebody's taking the time to give you that feedback take it the way in which it's hopefully intended in terms of you know it's going to sound really cheesy but feedback's a gift you know treasure that opportunity the fact that somebody took the time to share that with you um you don't always have to agree with the feedback but be open to the possibility of what that might be think of it as a moment for growth a moment for development that opportunity to reflect in terms of what you might do differently next time if you were faced with a similar situation. Perfect. Well, Natalie, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks um, for having me. Hopefully everyone feels a bit more comfortable with their conversations after this. I know I certainly will. And I really appreciate you taking the time to share your, your expertise. You're welcome. Thanks very much.